Once upon a time, there was a prince. This is really loud and boomy. It'll settle down in a minute. Once upon a time, there was a prince who imposed upon himself exile to a foreign land because the prince believed that he'd contributed to the death of his dad, the king. While away, he, he met a wife who was a great help and motivation. He also met someone else, and that someone else said this to them. He says, Prince, I don't want to convince you to go back, but I want to find out who you are. I want to find a way to help you find who you are. Not as a prince, but as a king. Once you know who you are, you can walk in your purpose. So I'm going to show you a little DVD clip of a couple of minutes where the prince begins to understand who he is. Wow. Isn't that good? You'll find God in anything, can you? We're following up, continuing our series of, of identity and purpose. And we need to draw that out of people sometimes, don't we? We need to remind people who they are. We need to let people know to encourage one another who they are. Even when they've made mistakes, to remind them who they are. Part of the work we do with Audrey St. Leonard is reminding people who they are. We work in Africa, Tanzania, we work in India. In India, last year, they were having a service like this on a Sunday morning. Somebody opens the back door and throws a hand grenade in, kills two of their congregation. People give their lives to Jesus, and it means everything to them. They don't just come to church on a Sunday morning. <laughs> they sit with the tension of the possibility of that happening because they've found out who they are. They've found Jesus. And in Jesus, they know who they are. So the threat of death to them is insignificant. <laughs> wow, it's absolutely amazing. I want to read Scripture to you. I've got some scriptures to read today, but I want to read a scripture to you. I want us to try and... I think Richard done a great job last week, and it was great to hear some of the testimonies. It was great to hear some of the testimonies of people listening to God and finding out for themselves what God thought of them. Absolutely amazing. I want to read a scripture just to start this morning from, from Samuel, from Ron Samuel. And, and here, it's 1 Samuel 8... 
30 and verse 8. And the, the verse says this, David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue the raiding party? Will I overtake them, pursue them? He answered, you certainly will overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Let me put this in context of the picture. David had just been away and he'd come back to his home and there'd been a raid on the, on the place. And the people who raided the place had taken everything. They'd taken all the wives, the kids, the cattle, the flock, everything. So here David comes back with his men who had been to battle and he finds just before this is a verse, a very well-known verse that all of us I'm sure will know, where it says that David found what it was to strengthen himself in the Lord. It's a significant verse. You see, he, he didn't come back to the place and suddenly go, whoa, look what's happened. I'm doomed. He went to the place of strength. Ho, ho. He, he didn't go to a counselor. He went to the place of strength. Come on. He went to the Lord. And he found what it was to strengthen himself in the Lord. This was a bad situation for David. It was not good. His men, who he'd been doing battle with, wanted to turn against him and stone him. It wasn't a good picture for David. But it says this, David inquired of the Lord. He began to ask of the Lord of the situation, but in that he was reminding himself of who he was in the Lord. Because in and of himself, he knew that the situation was desperate. But when he joined with the Lord, come on, when he joined with the Lord, he began to gain the Lord's perspective. He began to see his identity and look at the situation in a different light. He inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue the raiding party? Pursue. I believe that a word of prophecy for the church today is we've gone from a time of sitting in our pews to pursuing. We've begun to move from the church into the world to pursue the raiding party. We're growing in confidence in this. And the reason for that is because firstly, we've inquired of the Lord, and secondly, we understand our identity. We understand that our light is greater than the darkness. And because of that, we can pursue. For too long we've used the verse, and the gates of hell will not prevail, which means you sit in your pew, and we lock the door, and things are nice and safe, and we can sing our songs. But the day is that we can begin to pursue the raiding party. Amen. It's here. Hmm. And then he says, 
Not just can I pursue it, but will I overtake it? <laughs> How many of us know there's a difference from being in front of our enemies to being behind our enemies? You see, when you're in front, you can set an ambush. Hello? When you're behind, you're constantly trying to catch. He's a wise old bird, David, I tell you. Can I pursue them? But not just can I pursue them, but will I overtake them? Pursue them, the Lord answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Further down in the same chapter, it says this. David recovered everything. Hello? Everything. David recovered everything. He didn't sit and lick his wounds and say, What am I? Both of my wives have gone. What am I going to do for cake? No. Oh, David. David, the thought of it. No. He didn't do that. He inquired of the Lord. That's why I was so blessed with what Richard did last week. Because what he did was, he helped us to begin the journey of inquiring of the Lord as to who you are in Him. Because I tell you, unless you understand that, you'll never fulfill your purpose. Because you need to understand your identity to fill your purpose. That's what we're talking about in this short series. He recovered everything that the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Woo! Nothing, verse 19, it said this, nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. The day of pursuit is that we bring everything back into a place of reconciliation with the Father. Amen. I hope we've got time to get into this a bit later. Our purpose is to bring reconciliation. Verse 24, you will listen to what you say. Sorry, who will listen to what I say? Ha. Huh. So here, here, here in verse 24, <laughs> there was a group of the men, there was 400 men went on the raiding party. There was originally 600, but 200 of the 600 were done in. There'd been a battle and they were weary. So David says, you stay there, I'll take the other 400, and we'll go and do what the Lord's told us to do, to pursue. But in verse 24, it says this. <laughs> it's an important bit. It says this. David, the men were arguing that these 200 shouldn't have a share of the plunder because they were too weary for the battle. And David said this. They will get the same is the ones who pursued. There's a corporate anointing in this place that it doesn't matter where you are at in your life. I believe there's an atmosphere in this place that when you step into, you receive the plunder of those giants that you think are Christians. 
and are pursuing. And in that itself, there is, a, there, is a, there is a part of the body that is hurting. The other part of the body then, well, moves into a place of provision for the hurting part of the body. Hello? You might not think you're some giant Christian who can pursue the enemy, but I tell you, you can come into a corporate blessing. It's important that the anointing you come under, you can come into a corporate blessing. And it's all right to rest a while. Do you just feel that? It's all right to rest a while. There are seasons and times in our lives when we need to understand that we're a bit weary and we need to rest. And that's fine. But there are also times in our lives where God has given us the energy and the dynamic and the power in our identity to pursue the raiding party and bring the plunder back into the kingdom. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. Oh, not that much. My text for today is supposed to be from 2 Corinthians 5. And I'm going to read it here because it's so good. 2 Corinthians 5, 16. <sighs> so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. <laughs> I think the church still does that, but never mind. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, the world regarded Christ as worldly. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us, all of us, the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. That is blinking good news. And that's nearly swearing in church. That is good news, man. God's not counting our sins against us. He has committed to us a message of reconciliation. He's committed to us a message to tell others that God's not counting your sins against you either. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God was making His appeal through us, we implore you. Another version says we beg you. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. <laughs> God, oh, God made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. So that in Him, 
Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Your identity this morning is that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We so often walk around with our tails between our legs as Christians, like some kind of frightened dog. You ever seen a dog that's frightened? It crouches, its tails between its legs, it shakes. God's moving us into a time of pursuit, church. And that picture of the shaking dog is not the picture of the church. The picture of the church is an understanding that we are the righteousness of God, that we approach His throne with all boldness, and that we move out of this place with the power of God manifesting through us into the world. That is the picture of the church. That is the identity of the church. To know your identity, to know your identity is to know your purpose. The role of a father and a mother is not just to, is not just to help their kids discover themselves. It's to help them find their true identity. And their true identity is held in their Father in heaven. We got kids today. You got kids today. Your true purpose is to help them find the Father's heart and to model that as a dad and as a mom. So you just imagine that there's two cars going down a road. First car has no destination in its sat-nav. It's going down the road, and it's picking up hitchhikers. The destination of the hitchhiker now becomes the destination of the car. Hmm. The car's destination and purpose now becomes that of the hitchhiker. So the car goes wherever, everywhere and nowhere. The second car has a destination or a purpose, a direction. It also stops to pick up hitchhikers. The difference is the hitchhiker has to be going in the same direction the car's going. The hitchhiker can influence the journey. Can we stop for a wee? How long will we be? All that kind of stuff. But cannot influence the direction and purpose. Why? Because one car knew where it was going and the other car didn't. It had purpose. I want to tell you a person, a region, a nation that has not received its blueprint or purpose from God is exactly like the first car and can get messed up. 
it begins to try and please the people it takes on board. Hello? Hello? We need to be praying more. I tell you. We have to be able to be confident in who we are. That isn't arrogance, it's confidence and it's boldness. And there's a boldness that's needed for the church in these days that I believe God's going to release over us to pursue the Raiden party. How do you find your purpose? Well, there's many ways to find your purpose. But I'm going to suggest to you for today that this is your purpose, is to bring reconciliation between God and man. Amen. The Bible's very clear. You have the ministry of reconciliation. It has been given to us. You're not, verse 17 says that you're a new creation. You're a new creature, one of the verses uses. The old's gone, the new's here. You're not an old person trying to be good in a new way. You're a new species. It's not just that you've gone home and changed your dirty clothes and had a shower and you look nice and clean. You have become a new creation. The old has gone. Um, The new you has been born. I'm not even going to say born again. The new you has been born. The first um, heart transplant, I think, was done in South Africa. And in that, there's a story I was reading this week of of the doctor who did the transplant. The patient came in to see him, and the doctor said to the patient, would you like to see your heart? So the doctor handed the man a glass jar with his heart in, and for the first time in history, a person held their own heart in their hands. The Bible says this in Ezekiel. God says this in Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. We try to fix our hearts and God wants to give us a new heart. He doesn't want to fix your old heart. He wants to give you a new one. He wants to give you a glass jaw with your old heart in so you can have a look at it. You go, look how bad that was. I'm surprised I'm still alive. Because what God's done is He's scooped your heart out of you. He's made you a new creation in Christ. The old has gone and the new has come. You're no longer just tidied up. Oppositional reality. (laughs) Wow. Should change our practical reality. What I mean by that is this, that if we're seated with Christ in heavenly realms, if we are new creatures in Christ, if the old is gone and the new has come, then that should look like something when we walk out that door. 
not in a legalistic work kind of way, but in just the fact that you have a new heart and you can see your old heart rattling around in that glass. <laughs> Do you know Jesus had purpose? Of course you knew that. 1 John 3 and 8 says this, For this reason or purpose, the Son of God appeared to destroy the devil's work. Come on. That was his purpose. Matthew 12, 28 says, But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Purpose. Your purpose should fit God's purpose. And God's purpose is this. It is all about His kingdom. His domain, His rule on earth, it is about God's power and plan. God sometimes will move stuff out of your life to fulfill His purpose. We don't often hear preachers preaching that. But sometimes He'll remove stuff out the way. Don't resist that. Don't resist it. Sometimes He's got to move stuff out of the way. Because we fill our lives full of rubbish. God says, I need to remove that out of the way. Because it's going to get in the way of the purpose for which I've called you. You know, Samuel told David he was going to be king. <laughs> the prodigal son was a guy who, who said, give me my inheritance now. There's a real thing about timing in the Lord. David was going to be king. The guy got his inheritance too early. Hello? He got his inheritance too early. Let's not resist what God's taken out of our lives. Indeed, let's welcome it. If it means that His purpose and His plan is going to come. 2 Corinthians 5.18 All this is from God who reconciled, the world, who reconciled us to Himself. Reconciliation is a bringing together of two parties that have been separated by conflict. I like to use the word oneness, but we'll use reconciliation here. Because what God did, He made those of us, I don't know about you, I'm sure you fell out with somebody, unless you're all really, really good Christians. There's been times when you fell out. Maybe you had an argument with the wife or the husband, one of your kids, I don't know. But there's been times you fell out. And what happens is eventually, well hopefully eventually, you would begin the process of reconciliation. Where that which has divided you is put to rest to bring you into a place of oneness again. Yeah? Process of reconciliation. Now, for us, if I fell out with David, for us that would be easy because David's a big sinner and I'm a big sinner. Or was. Was. So we're coming at it from an equal point of view. Hmm. But church, when God reconciled us to Him, it was not an equal thing. Because He knew no sin. None of the blame or the fault was with God. It was all with us. We were responsible for the division. 
not him. But he chose to bridge the gap and bring reconciliation to you and him through his son Jesus. This is good news, church. <laughs> the gap between you and God was ended. Wow. Wow. The gap between you and God was ended. So God chose to reconcile you back to Him through the death of Himself on a cross. Wow. Just let that sip in your identity. Let that sit right there. That what God has won for you and the purposes He has planned for you was done through His sacrifice of His reconciliation through His death on a cross to bring you back into oneness with Him. Wow. Why did He do this? I'm pushing on. Why did He do this? Verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The role of an ambassador is to act in the interest of the sovereign one they represent. See, I haven't got to act in my own interest. I've got to act in His interest. Because I represent Him. I'm His ambassador. The role of an ambassador is to act in the interest of the government or minister that they represent. <laughs> they speak not of themselves, but of a different government that they represent. They don't come with their own message. They come with a message that represents the kingdom of the government they represent. Some of this makes sense to some of you. If you're an ambassador and you should, well, you should end up in a different culture, in a foreign environment, with different traditions and lifestyles. If we are Christ's ambassadors, it's easy to be that in a place like this that represents His kingdom. But an ambassador represents a kingdom in a different land, out there, where the people are not living under the kingdom rule. So when we set foot out there, we bring the kingdom as his ambassadors. The world, some would say, is countercultural to the kingdom we represent. <laughs> I've heard that a few times from a platform. And our aim is to change the culture. As ambassadors, we have a mandate to change the culture. You heard that preach before? Our job is to represent the government and the one who sent you. To establish a government in a foreign land and that government you establish will change the culture. Hello? (laughs) 
struggling a little bit with us today just to kind of get this across because there's so much in this, there really is. You see, for, for so many years, we've tried to change culture. Let's change the culture. Let's establish a kingdom that brings change to a culture. That's what will change the culture. For too many years as Christians, we've been known as people who speak against stuff. And it drives me bonkers. You see, God's reconciling the world to Himself. He doesn't need you to poo on it. He doesn't. God's big enough to take that stuff. It's, we as Christians aren't. But listen, I'm, I'm not saying we compromise. I'm not saying you compromise your kingdom. I'm just saying you represent, as an ambassador, a kingdom. Let's stop speaking against stuff and let's start speaking life into stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Let's start going around as people who know our identity and begin to drop our purposes and God's purposes and plans around the place so that families are restored and life's restored and the place is a better place to be because His kingdom has been established. It's a different way, man. I'm telling you. The amount of people who say to me, you just, Christians, you just speak against stuff. I want to be known for somebody who speaks into stuff and speaks life into stuff and stops speaking against stuff. Do you think when Jesus came into the world, he was shocked by the level of sin? Do you think when he was having dinner with a prostitute that that bothered him? Hello? We've become almost... We're scared in case we get our boots dirty. And God's saying, get your boots dirty. Get in up to your knees because you're an ambassador of the kingdom. And unless you get out there and in among it, you're not bringing my kingdom. It's easy to be in a place where the kingdom's already established. It's when you're an, embarrass, a, a, an ambassador and you go into a foreign land. Hmm. Can I say this? We didn't. Yeah, this might rattle a few kids. Never mind. We didn't get reconciled to God when we stopped rejecting God. Wait for the second bit. But when God stopped rejecting us. Wow. <laughs> we didn't get reconciled to God when we stopped rejecting God, but when God stopped rejecting us. Ephesians 1 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of His grace that He lavished on us with all the wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mysteries 
of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. The only way we can be reconciled to God is if God says your sin is no longer an issue to me. <laughs> wow. I need to skip some of this. Some people would then say, and the argument is this from Christians, that, that God's a just God. And therefore, as a just God, He has to, he, he has to punish sin. And He has. Amen. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of blood. To receive Him by faith. How can God be both just and the justifier? Because of our sin. Surely He cannot just overlook it. Can you imagine, oh, I'd be a bad judge, but can you imagine me being a judge and one of the guys comes in and they're sitting there and they've committed mass murder and um, they admit to it, all the evidence is right, and then the guy stands up and says, but you know what, judge, I'm really sorry I did that. And the judge goes, it's ah, fine, get yourself away. It's all right. There'd be an uproar, wouldn't it? Because we demand justice for the crime committed. The great news for us that God reconciled you to Him and He paid the price for justice in His Son Jesus. That's your identity. It was by the work of substitution. Hello. Two Corinthians five twenty one. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. And I'm finishing here. Isaiah fifty three seven, five and seven says this. But he was pierced for our transgressions; he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds you are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We've turned each one to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. To know your identity, you must first encounter the Father. And I don't mean see a prayer that gets you saved. I mean have an encounter with the Father and with the Father's heart. And that will give you identity. And to know your purpose, you must live out of that identity as an ambassador who understands that they have been fully fully, fully reconciled to God and you then are an ambassador for His kingdom. Yeah. 
You don't. Let me just help, help me get this just as I close here. You don't live for your identity. You live from it. Hello? You don't live for your identity. You live from it. I've met loads of Christians who are trying to work their way into an identity. You're not what you do. That's the first question people ask you, isn't it? What do you do? When I tell them a vicar, they go, what? You? Never. I say, thank you, Jesus. The day they start recognizing me as a vicar, I've lost it. I'm out. But it's true. We're not what we do. We are who we are. What we do is separate. What we do is separate to that. You can do better if you know who you are. You can, look, you can do more fulfilled if you know who you are. You can understand the confidence that God gives you to pursue the raiding party if you know who you are. And many of us have lost stuff. Many of us have come back from the battle to find that our homes have been scattered and things have been lost and we've just sat in our chairs. But when you inquire of the Lord, He's going to remind you of your identity. And He's going to remind you of your purpose. And He's going to say to you, you can pursue and overtake. And you can have restored everything that was taken. Not some things, not some things, everything that was taken was restored and was brought back into a corporate place of blessing. Hello? Everybody got blessed, even the ones who didn't pursue. Hello? I want to declare to you today as I finish that this is an atmosphere. I don't bang on about the beer church much, but I'll tell you this. This is an atmosphere of corporate blessing. I could tell you testimony after testimony after testimony who people have come through that door and their lives have changed. Not because I'm a good preacher or I'm full of the Holy Ghost. That is true. Thank you. But you come into an atmosphere. You come into a kingdom. It's full of ambassadors. That's the good thing about church. We get all the ambassadors together. We've all got the same aim, Amen. the same heart, the same purpose. When we come together, it creates an atmosphere. So when people from a different land come in, and that's not an exclusive term. I'm not excluding people by using this language. I'm just saying when they come into our land, when they come into our place that carries this atmosphere, their lives are changed. Their culture's changed. Their identity gets changed. I was talking to a guy, and he, he'd been given a Bible and the Quran. <laughs> and this guy had Plenty of time. I'm sure you'll understand that. <laughs> so he read both of them. 
He read both of them. He says that the, the Christian was a bit weird because they would just kind of pop their head in and see how I was doing and then away. But they'd give me a Bible. But the Imran, he would come and sit with me. <laughs> He'd come and sit with me. He obviously I'm chatting to him, so you can imagine, he kind of, he rejected the Quran and the Quran teaching. And I tell you what he said to me, and it stuck with me, he said this, it was a message of doom. That's what he said. He said, it was a message that was constantly trying to get me to burn. <laughs> he says, the Bible, although I don't understand it, seems to be a message of life. Yeah, it's what he said to me. Not not church. Not you know. Just approached the two books from reading them, and his testimony was that it's you know the Quran seemed a place of, of punishment and judgment. The Bible seemed a place of life. Wow, that he'd come to that conclusion from that. Absolutely amazing. I want to finish by just praying, and then I'm going to hand over to Dave. Uh, time has gone, actually. Uh, Paul. <laughs> or oh, Dave. Why don't we hand over to Dave? I've even better. That's shot is. Actually, why don't you pray, Paul? If you're not sure, get Dave to pray. <laughs> Come on, why don't we stand? Our identity is, always, is something that I think probably 99.9% .9 of us struggle with at one point or another. So I'm just going to pray that God would release to us everything that we've heard this morning. Father, I thank you that we, our identity has been, has been defined, that we no longer need to work for our identity, but we work from it. And I pray right now that each one of us would take that revelation and would take it out of these doors and that we would be ambassadors for you this week. I pray, Lord, I pray that, that this time next week we would have testimony after testimony about how walking in, in our identity has impacted the world around us. Yeah. Let's just take a moment just to, to allow God to speak to us.
I'm just going to invite you just to pray a few words with me, and then we're going to close. Holy Spirit, would you release to me right now a fresh understanding of who I am in Jesus and who he is in me, in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Well, yeah, let's give Alan a massive clap. Lara?